a social media manager and freelance artist, Hannah Podbury, also known as Hannah Matcha on Instagram, loves nature, gouache, slow living, and setting clear boundaries to promote both her well-being and productivity. She also started her gouache journey in May 2020, and now, June 2021, she has over 22,000 followers. Yeah, without going on a frenzy. If you'd like to know how, then join us as we discuss why gouache is great for beginners, how social media affects Hannah's art, how to live slowly and why it's essential, why you shouldn't follow trends, and what to share on social media. Want to be part of the show? Then send in your questions or topics you'd like to see covered to our email at hello at etcherlab.com. If you send us an audio recording, we might include it in the episode. Hi, I'm Anya, and this is Make More Art, a podcast by Etcher, meant to inspire you to keep on creating. Now let's hear from our guest. Hannah, please uh, take us all the way back and let's start with, so I know art is very recent for you, like very last year and you're amazing at it. And I, (sighs) well, I mean, so I always say to people, I started painting in May, 2020, basically Mm -hmm. when the pandemic hit and we had no idea what was going on. And then that's when I had all this free time suddenly um, and I started painting then. But I guess, I mean, I was always like always interested in art because you know, I did art growing up. My mum did a lot of art. My mm-hmm. sister is a painter. Mm-hmm. Um, I was always been always drawn. And then when I went to university, I went off to do um, a first year fine art. Decided it was not for me at all. I could not see myself being an artist, ironically, because now that's what I'm doing. But I couldn't see myself as an artist. I didn't know how to make a career out of that. Um, mm. The course I was on, while my teachers were great, they were amazing. It was very like modern and contemporary art based. And I just mm. didn't really, like I, I loved doing it, but I couldn't imagine myself being the next like Tracy Emin. Um, so I was like, okay, I don't really get why I'm doing this. So then I just drifted over into fashion and I always loved fashion and clothing and fabric. And it just seemed like a really natural transition to me to then go into like fashion and textiles. Um, so I guess like the creative background has always sort of been there. It just wasn't really painting. I'd never really just sat down and painted things before. Mm -hmm. Um, so this has been, I mean, it's a very, very new thing for me really. And especially in this kind of style. Um, yeah. (laughs) So what happened that, I mean, the pandemic happened, but what specifically happened that triggered the, the art um so well I mean I'm sure I'm just looking behind me because my partner is in the other room so he'll be talking about him <laughs> but my partner um lost his job during at the beginning of the pandemic mm. so that was one uncertainty and I'd just gone freelance and it was one of those like weird situations when we're like oh god like, how are we going to make money you just lost your job and I might lose all of my clients and we won't be able to pay the rent like it was a massive stress um and luckily it's, it's worked out okay like thankfully um but yeah, I think it was so uncertain that I ended up just sort of gravitating to something that I think naturally took my mind off it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just happened to be painting. We, we were walking a lot. I was, ended up just snapping loads of pictures of, it was spring at the time, so loads of pictures of like daffodils and tulips on my phone. 
and thought, oh, you know, I've got all this time free now and painting it might be a little less stressful than just sitting in my house, um, not knowing what's mm-hmm. going to happen. So yeah, that's kind of how it started. And I think I started to share a couple of pieces just like on Instagram thinking, eh, no, I was going to care about this. Um, but suddenly, weirdly, they did. And there was a suddenly, without even really planning on it, I was in this 100 day challenge art painting community. And I just sort of haven't stopped painting. It's been great. Wow. And what were you doing before? Like you were freelance doing what? Um, social media. So I'm a social media manager um, and like content creator. Yeah. So digital stuff, basically. That is very interesting because we have so many artists who love making art and they try to put their art out there and have no idea how to properly do that because it's very overwhelming. Mm. The digital world is, even though it's filled with information, it's so much and not all of it is great. That is pretty overwhelming. And for us, I feel like for us to be successful as being an artist for a job, we need to have a little bit of business and social media and marketing know-how. But you kind of came, even though you were already creative, you came the other way around. So you were, you know, diving into marketing, into social media, into brand awareness and all of that. And then you picked up art and you applied all the knowledge you already had into making mm-hmm. that work. So was that intentional, getting art into an a freelance career or like I just and I think when I first started painting I was again thought this is never going to be a career option for me I'm never going to make money from this I think I think it's in my head I always thought to be an, a freelance artist or to make money from art you literally had to be a genius so I was like this isn't going to be something that I'm going to make money from like I'm not going to be good enough to make anything from it so it, it was a very organic process me sharing things online just seemed like a natural thing to do because that's always what I've done um (laughs) sounds a bit sad but um I've always had like an online presence um Mm -hmm. I've done it for clients I've always done it for work so it just seemed like a natural thing for me to do Mm um bit of a weird way around I think um I wouldn't really suggest maybe doing that if I hadn't really had that background because I think it's quite an organic uh, unorganic way of painting Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you can often I'm, I've sort of gotten out of this space luckily and I don't share everything that I do online anymore but I think you can end up getting caught up with painting for the sake of sharing it on social media rather than painting to develop your skills or to um, you know painting for yourself basically so I think it's very easy to get caught up and having to paint every single day because you've got to have new content and you know social media is this content monster <laughs> you've got to it is be posting constantly or feel like you're posting constantly to grow or um, sort of gain anything from it so yeah sometimes it feels unless you're there all the time and posting all the time and then one week or two months pass and it's consuming your whole life did you nearly get caught in that monster wheel Um, thing I I did feel like for a couple of months I was probably painting maybe for the sake of it Mm -hmm. um not to kind of develop my skills. So there was times when I was like, why have I, why have I painted this? This doesn't mean anything to me. Or, you know, I'd found a reference picture somewhere and just painted it because I needed something to post. Mm. Um, whereas it just feels really soulless doing that. And I think now that I've sort of stepped back and gone, okay, no, what do I actually like painting? Um, I've realized that part of the process for me is going outside 
mm-hmm. finding things, finding inspiration in my surroundings and mm-hmm. painting rather than just sitting online finding oh quick I need to paint some leaves let's just reference like google search some like um royalty free leaves and paint that um it just felt a bit yeah soulless Indeed, and I'm sure yeah. that worked for a lot of people because you know not everyone has access to like beautiful things and um doing that is is very useful but for me it didn't really sit well yeah and it's not only that I mean for you nature in your surroundings of course Mm -hmm. it's the perfect subject for you to paint because that's part of who you are which is very clearly defined in your social media presence like for me I I was so I'm doing like this uh silly challenge that I I threw myself in which is um when my so I I have a one-year-old son and when he was born I was taking care of a baby pretty much full full time and doing a little Mm -hmm. bit of work so I was not painting at all which really frustrated me and I wanted to get something out of there. So long story short, I ended up doing a very, like a fingerprint paint series of my favorite Pokemon, just because I'm obsessed with Pokemon and I love it so much. It's a big part of my childhood. So I was doing it because it was fun and I could do it with my kid and get his, you know, his little footprint there and just play with that. And that's how I developed that little series that would help me do something and I could easily put it out. And just the other day, I'm like, okay, so I'm kind of finding a rhythm of like, I'm, I'm doing that, but I was missing doing my plein air stuff. So let's just intercalate that and find a way for that to work. And I don't have to post every, every other day or something. I just need to make it work with whatever time I have. That's fine. And it took me a while to get there. And just yesterday, I'm like, okay, the next post should be something that is not a fingerprint. What can I do? make to put online and I'm like wait what am I even saying no 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 I don't have a deadline this is what I do for me I want to make art so what do I want to to paint and all of this story to get to the point of even though you find inspiration in the nature around you what I've been lately what I've been more inclined to paint apart from urban scenes that I see around me are the, the special moments that I've been sharing with my son I've painted a couple of them and they were pretty well received. And I believe believe it's part of what you were saying, which I want to expand on. And for me, I mean, so I don't need to be able to go outside to get the inspiration I need to create. For me, it's the moments that I've experienced that I want to portray, meaning for you listening, for our audience listening, anything that speaks to you is valid, even though if, if you can't go outside, that does not disqualify like you can't paint you can't do anything from the heart anymore because there's so much so to pick on where you left off did you find or did you notice any difference on how your work was received when you painted because you really wanted to paint versus because you had to post Mm, not really but one thing I did notice was I think, I don't know whether this is common with everyone or maybe it was just a phase that I went through. Mm-hmm. Um, I started painting things that were sort of seen as a bit of a trend. And I think it's very easy to do, mm-hmm. you know, when you're creating content, you come from a content background, it's very easy to um, pick up on trends, whether consciously or subconsciously. And I mean, cottage core and that kind of like thing is a massive trend at the moment. And I mean, a part of my surroundings is very much within that trend. So I think that has often sort of helped me a little bit because I live in, you know, the British countryside, lots of it's green, lots of flowers, lovely gardens, all that. Um, But I did find that I would start painting these things that were trend related, 
and they went down really well mm-hmm. but I didn't like them which mm-hmm. is a strange um a thing to kind of be caught up in and I'd look back on it and go well that looks nice but I don't like it and when I think about wanting to sell things I'm like I wouldn't buy that and I wouldn't put it on my wall that's not what I want to have on my wall um you know if I was a consumer so I think the last six months I sort of tried to look at that and go okay am I painting this because it's a trend on social media or am I painting it because I love it and I think my audience will love it and I think my potential customer base like down the line is going to love it um I think yeah I think it's been easy it's been hard to like separate myself from that Mm -hmm. um but yeah in terms of like noticing whether people sort of have liked or been more responsive to things that I've painted for the sake of it I just I haven't noticed I haven't really noticed that as much um so it's more like your own motivation and how you're feeling so Mm -hmm. I'm assuming if you kept on painting things that are not speaking as much to you then maybe down the line you would have just stopped painting altogether or just quit yeah yeah and it's a really hard thing and I've I've worked now with clients who are artists as well so Mm -hmm. that's one thing that I've started my client base has evolved a little bit along with my art so I've helped other artists grow their Instagram accounts and one thing that they often talk to me about is okay this thing that I paint does really well um in real life you know it's my highest selling piece of work but it's just not like Instagram friendly which is so sad that we can't share what is selling well and the work that we love because it's not a trend and it's not something that you know Instagram is going to favor um mm-hmm. and that's really sad that the artists feel like they can't share what they love because it's just not going to go down as well and yeah I think it's really it's a really hard sort of mental block to get over just to put it out there and go okay no you know it's not a popular thing but who cares exactly eventually you have this amazing body of work and it reflects who you are not you know not what everyone else on social media is currently doing Um, exactly and if you if you're looking to get hired to do more of whatever it is that you're doing would you rather do what you love or would you rather do what is trendy right now and then change it in three months and then change it again and have your heart I mean if, if we're already doing art because we love it so much and it takes courage to make a living out of art, I think, because it's putting so much of your passion out there for others to see, then why just not do exactly what you love? Because if you're going to get your heart broken, might as well do something else. Yeah, and if you're leaping on trends, um, trends come and go all the time. I feel like if you're leaping on every single trend out there, it's gonna be really hard to hone your skills into one specific thing and get really good at one thing. So, I mean, for example, if you love botanicals, but botanicals, don't become a, like aren't a trend in another few months and you end up changing or sort of niche to follow whatever is popular at the time it kind of you might find that I mean I don't know um I haven't really spoken to anyone about this but I'm assuming you will never build up those really strong core skills in your favored favored niche or your favored material or your yeah yeah that is very well put So another thing that I noticed while I was going through your Instagram is that you have this, um, in your bio, you say inspiring others to live slowly. What do you mean by that? Um, I think, well, one thing, I mean, it was, I sort of went through this period in my life before the pandemic, but I feel like it's just been heightened since um, COVID. But I was working, um, obviously in social media, it's a very fast paced environment. Everything's changing. It's 
very stressful um, mm-hmm. a lot of the time. I was commuting from my like nice little quiet countryside town that I live in now um, into London every day. And it was just such a, it's sort of like, you know, it's, everything just hits you and it's so manic and stressful. And um, it was a lot to kind of do every single day. And I felt like I was just rushing through everything. And for the first five years, I realized while I was working, I didn't remember anything that happened over those five years. It was just a wow. manic rush of this daily life. Um, I think I was spending three hours commuting a day, um, getting back really late, hurrying to eat my food, going to bed. And then I'd get up at 5.30 in the morning to go to the gym before commuting back to work. Um, oh and that was my daily routine. So I don't really remember for the first five years of my like, working life what I did. And I don't really think I did anything. Um, and it was sort of halfway through that first job that I had that I thought, well, I don't want to spend my whole 20s not remembering what I did in my 20s. I'm being so busy that I don't, I'm not taking the time out to sort of like enjoy my life. Mm-hmm. So I started making a bit more of a conscious effort to spend a bit more time doing slow things that I would come to remember when I was looking back over the last like 10 years. So that was things that I really enjoyed. And that was like getting out into nature, but putting my phone aside and not looking at it, not being inundated with my emails or having all my social media sort of notifications popping up. It was taking time out to do things naturally, I guess mm-hmm. you might say. Mm-hmm. Being online all the time is not natural. Mm-hmm. And it sort of ended up creeping into a lot of different areas of my life. So that was like, even when I was preparing my meals or going to see friends. And then eventually it really started feeding into the way I was traveling. So I traveled a lot. Um, I ended up taking about nine months out to go traveling around um, Asia in 2019, was it? Yeah, a couple of years ago. But I think by then I'd already gone, right, I don't want to be rushing around from place to place, just sort of going there to get a photo and then leaving straight away because I'm not going to remember it. So me and my, um, my boyfriend purposely tried to sort of do things a little bit slower, stay in places for a longer period of time. Mm-hmm. It might have seemed really boring to some people probably. Um, but for us, it was just, it worked really well. It was just, yeah, an amazing experience. And I think this year especially has just heightened that way of living for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I find myself getting a bit too hectic, I'll go, right, okay, I'll put everything aside and think, right, how can I consciously now do something that's going to slow my day down and slow my life down a little bit and I think that's another reason why I got into painting it's such a good it's 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 slow it's you know you're not going to be great at it straight away and that Mm -hmm. is what something that appeals to me as well which sounds a bit strange because I know that a lot of people like to be really good at something as soon as they start um but knowing that I'm going to be a bit rubbish at something when I first pick it up is kind of a good motivation for me to know that I'm going to keep doing it and plugging away at it for a long time um yeah and it's, it's just such a great way to sort of disconnect um and I, yeah I love that wow. yeah, beautiful and you'll live your life to the fullest I love what you said about for other people might have seen boring well when we go and watch a movie the movie is entertaining because they are very careful careful to show the best parts and if something is slow it's just to you know highlight the importance of something fast because you know contrast kind of makes for the story and everything is made for the viewer 
However, what you said is huge because it's our lives and we're not making them for someone else to see, for someone else to watch, like we're some kind of protagonist on someone else's entertainment. Mm -hmm. So I, yeah. I just, yeah, I love it. I think you can be so prone to burnout. I mean, that's a real, I don't know if it's a real generational thing, you know, millennials and Gen Zs just getting burnt out all the time. And I think it is this pressure of, I don't know whether it's an online, like a, something that's happened because we're spending so much time online or whether it's just because we want to cram so much in and we want to mm -hmm. achieve so much that I think people just want to do everything all the time. And it's just so exhausting. I'm so tired. It <laughs> so is. I just, you know, I hit 30 this year and I was like, oh, you know what? I, just, I can't be bothered to do everything anymore. <laughs> so in, in a way, the pandemic's been a little bit, of, I mean, it's been rubbish, obviously, but it's been a bit of a blessing because we don't have to do anything right now. Yeah, I, I do understand where you're coming from. For us, the pandemic also came at a good time because we were also, we took a month off to travel in just in Japan and we went to just a few cities because we're like if we really want to live this at the fullest we cannot see everything one month is a long time but not that long for us to do it at our own pace so totally get you there and we had a kid my son was born in april 2020 so it was when the pandemic really started here in portugal so it actually was kind of a blessing for us that we were stuck at home my husband was working remotely and he was able to spend this you know first year of my son's life in house with me and i was still able to work remotely even just a few hours and no visits at the beginning because of the pandemic so it it it, it was good we were yeah. able to slow down and yeah. i think in in that way it had been there are very few good things about this about 2020 to be honest mm -hmm. but i think that has been one thing that's been bit of a highlight I guess if, we, yeah. if we're trying to grab onto things that have been good um yeah and that and I think just people's lives have just changed forever now that whole commuting and having to mm -hmm. rush around and trying to fit everything in I'm hoping it, it will probably go back to normal eventually but I'm hoping at least for the next couple of years maybe we can just breathe for a bit and, um, and hopefully new normal will be new normal and I'm hoping that more people will realize that life is way too short for us to just cram everything in. Because when we get to the end of it, and the end of it can it can be next month, and it can be like in 50 years from now, we have no idea. We will look back and cherish the cherish the moments that we truly were there for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I like you. Okay. Um, and. So the, the focus of our interview goes to art was the one of the things that helps you slow down and it became part of your job. You became also, in addition to your social media work, mm -hmm. an artist. You are working with Etcher. You're doing a demo in a workshop and hopefully a class with us and it's gouache. So there's so much I want to ask you. First is, so you talked about why art helps us slow down and that makes a lot of sense now why did you choose gouache I don't know I've I've, I've spoken to this with a, quite a few people now and I was like why gouache like I'd never heard of gouache what is it what does it do honestly when I first picked up gouache I had no idea what it did I was like, what is this weird medium that I'd never heard of and it's not watercolor it's not acrylic it's not oil what is it um and I thought well you know people seem to be using it. it seems to be quite popular I'm gonna give it a go it looks great mm -hmm. um so I sent up like I bought went online and bought a kit um 
from an art supply shop in the UK. Nothing was open here, so I couldn't even get any new paper. I had some really old rubbish um, paint brushes left over from my days at uni. They were just, you know, when you have like really scrubby ends that are just like, clogged up with acrylic. They're awful. <laughs> but I was like, you know what, I'll just use what I've got. Um, ordered a tiny little sketchbook because the thought of painting on a big piece of paper was way too overwhelming for mm-hmm. someone who hadn't painted for God knows how long. Um, so oh, I, I I'll show you now. I know it's on the podcast, you won't be able to see, but it's these oh, We tiny- have a video too. So if you're watching oh. just the audio version, if you're listening to the audio version, go and watch it on, on YouTube. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's tiny. tiny little they're very, I mean, they're great if you are scared of blank paper, which I often am. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or if you want to take away that fear of your work having to be perfect all the time, they're great. Um, so I just, yeah, grabbed some gouache paints from online, bought a sketchbook, and then started sketching some of the local sort of um, plants that in my park um, mm-hmm. near our house. And then loved it. I It took me a little while to get used to it because I, I some people get really offended when I say this, but I hate watercolour. <laughs> so totally fine. Not to look at, like to look at watercolours beautiful I love watercolor artists and what they do but to use I find it so confusing it's um, hard of not being able to layer because I make so many mistakes um it's something that I just couldn't get my head around so with gouache knowing that I could blank out a background and paint directly onto it was amazing because I knew mm-hmm. okay I can make a mess of the background and I can still rectify it it's fine um and yeah I just as soon as I started using it I just fell in love with it I preferred it to acrylic um I liked that it started to reactivate once you put another layer on it it sort of blends really beautifully and then it looks like when you're painting with it it looks like it's going to be quite textured but when it dries it's just this really flat matte finish mm-hmm. I just I love that it just looks so clean and so neat and I can be as scrubby as I want with my brushes and then somehow when it dries it looks so pristine and smooth ah. I don't know how is it it's it's magic I swear. <laughs> and what, what would you say is the main difference between gouache and acrylic? Um, hmm. What is the main difference between gouache and acrylic? I think, well, acrylic is definitely more opaque. It, I think if you're wanting to get really, really vibrant tones, I think still acrylic would probably be the, be the way to go. But I love the fact that gouache is a little bit more muted, but not as muted as watercolour. There's a, a real... I like to think of it as that medium between acrylic and watercolor. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still act like water based and water activated, but it's you know you can layer it like you can with acrylic, whereas watercolor, I know that you can't really. Um, but a color is wild and has yeah, it's something I'd like to. I'd love to learn properly. I might have to take a class or something. Um, I've never sort of taken a painting class, mm-hmm. so. It might be something I'm going to have to do it eventually, aren't I? <laughs> If you want to. I mean, there's nothing wrong with not enjoying a medium and just not touching. It's totally fine. Yeah. Yeah. If maybe. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if everyone loved the same thing, then we wouldn't have so many different uh, forms exactly. of art. So uh, so for everyone listening to this who who is kind of confused by watercolor or does not get it, it's okay. <laughs> you can try gouache no. instead. So you're doing a live demo with Etcher on July 8th at 10 a.m eastern time what will you be demonstrating um i don't have the exact one that we're doing but it's mm-hmm. going to be something very similar to this again i know podcast people won't be able to see it but i'll explain um one of the things i love painting the most in gouache are these really intricate 
um, dark toned leaves with little water droplets. I think they're quite easy to do. They don't take a lot of time, but I think as soon as you sort of finish them, they go from looking really messy and awful when you're halfway through to suddenly being insanely beautiful in like the space of two seconds. So I think I'm gonna do one of those, yeah. Okay, and this is good for beginners? Yeah, yes, I'm gonna just focus on one leaf so it's not gonna be too overwhelming. Beautiful. We'll stick with very limited color palette as well. So just a few greens, a bit of black, a bit of white. Wonderful. And all the colors, all the details are listed in the post associated with this episode at atrialab.com forward slash matcha. Okay, so I'm amazed that it's, even though you did study art related subjects, and it's something that you it's been a part of your life for a while, you picked gouache last year. So we're in 2021 now. So this was May 2020. You're really good at it. And I know you have experience, you pause, you're back, but you're really good at it. So any like frustration, any, can you tell us like a time that you were trying to get back into painting, you grab gouache and something went terribly wrong or common frustrations that, so we understand what is hard about the medium and how we can get over that? Yeah, I mean, it, it did take me a while. I love it. And I thank you that you said I'm good at it. I feel like I still don't know what I'm doing because I still feel like a very much beginner when it comes to gouache. So when people are saying, oh, how do you how do you know how to use that? I'm like, I don't know. I just sort of did it. I don't oh, know. the imposter syndrome. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think now that I started doing the few tutorials and sort of filming myself, I'm like, okay, mm -hmm. I'm sort of talking through this and I think I know what I'm doing, maybe. Um, I'll get used to that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think the first thing that really frustrated me with gouache was, I love it now, it's part of what draws me to that medium. But first of all, it was the fact that it was just, it was reactivating all the time. And mm. it's, it's a fine line between you having beautiful layered colors and then it being murky and everything bleeding together and it just looking like a sort of olive green mess, which quite mm. often happens to me. Um, learning to let your layers dry was a big learning curve for me. I am very impatient when it comes to sort of wanting to get my paintings finished. I, it does take me a long time. I can paint for, most of my tiny paintings take about five hours, wow. but I'm still quite impatient to get onto the next layer and work out, or to get through the ugly phase that I call it, um, mm -hmm. which happens in gouache, you know, when you're building up those layers, it looks really ugly mm -hmm. until the final product and until you're getting those really fine details and, and then it starts looking all right. Um, but I just try and rush that middle stage, which was so important, isn't, you know, you need to get through that ugly stage to get to the beautiful stage at the end. Mm -hmm. um, and I would often find myself merging those layers together and it would just bleed and it would just end up a smudgy mess. And it was very hard to sort of bring it back from that. Um, there's a few paintings that I've actually shared. I think I shared on Instagram before, which I hate <laughs> because they never came out the, the ugly stage. Um, but you know, everyone goes through a gets a, has bad painting. And how point. did you teach yourself patience for this? Um, it's a good question, actually. I don't know. I don't know whether I'm. I mean, I I always paint. I have. I don't really have a studio space, so mm -hmm. that's one thing that I think is quite different. So I I will. Pop, I've got this little table actually that I'm on now, that I sit on my sofa exactly where I am now, and I look. At my my TV is right in front of me there, so I'll just put like a series on in the background, so that when I'm feeling really overwhelmed by what I'm doing, I'll just sit back. That's probably why it takes me so long to paint because I'll get through a stage and go, God, I don't know what I'm doing. I hate it, and I'll get to that part where I want to rip it up or throw it in a bin, 
and I go, oh, okay, now I'm just going to watch some TV for a bit. Right? It's just what's going on over there. And then I've sort of stepped away without really realizing it for maybe 10 minutes. And I come back and go, oh, it's not that bad. It doesn't look that awful. And then I just carry on. Um, that is that amazing. Perhaps because I'm not, I guess I've got quite, that, that is a little bit of a distraction. So I'm not just into that work solidly for those five hours um mm-hmm. there is a ability to step back um and that's one thing that my mum when I was painting when I was a kid um you know just messy painting at the table I'd get so frustrated with what I was doing that I'd want to screw it up on a ball and throw it away and she'd go no like step away from the table go for a little walk around the house and come back and it would always work wow but you, you never want to take your parents advice do you <laughs> I do <laughs> So yeah. true. It's like, no, mom, you're not right. But it worked, but you're not right. <laughs> so I went to the kitchen instead of going for a walk around the house. And that's what made it work, mom. <laughs> you were wrong. <laughs> I'm right. Let's not have this conversation ever again. <laughs> okay. That's the most, that's really, I've never thought about distracting myself that way. That's very smart. Great trick. Great trick. Okay. Good. You were showing your sketchbook a while ago, your A6 sketchbook, very tiny, and you were saying it was great for people who are afraid of the blank page. So how does painting tiny help you face that fear? I think um, for me, it's the fact that I'm not going to be wasting a lot of material. And that's one thing that sort of, it always put me off painting and taking up painting um, was that I'd get really into it. I'd get, I'd get to a certain stage and then I would just do it all wrong. I'd have to rip it up and I'd have wasted firstly all that time and all that money on those materials. Um, and I think painting small just sort of takes away that pressure of having to make this perfect huge piece that's going to sort of live on a wall. Mm-hmm. And, you know, painting in a sketchbook as well takes away a lot of that pressure because it's not this final piece that's going to be potentially framed and put somewhere. You know, mm-hmm. it's going to be tucked away in your sketchbook. And if you never want to look at it again, you can just not open that book ever again. Tuck it away somewhere at the back of your studio and not look at it. It's fine. Um, and I think, you know, even when I was at university, we didn't obviously didn't do painting, but we did have big sketchbooks that we do all of our big drawings that um, our fashion designs in. And one of my teachers just would get so frustrated at me because I'd open my new sketchbook and I'd just look at the paper and go, oh god I don't know what I don't know what I'm doing I don't know how to start on this piece and he gets so frustrated and there's a couple of us that used to do this so he used to open our books up to the second page grab a massive paintbrush and just splodge paint all over the second pages and go right I ruined it already so there's nothing else you can do that's going to ruin it so you might as well just get on and and do it (laughs) so that was always a really good trick because it wasn't pristine anymore it was no longer perfect and you can't make it perfect because it's already ruined (laughs) so yeah wow You and your teacher are making me feel like every time I get a new sketchbook, I'll just put a blotch of paint on the first couple of pages and then I'll make something out of it. And then I'll, okay, that's a, (laughs) if you're trying to do this, guys, if listening, if you're trying to do this, if you ever do this, please tag us at Etcherlab and and Hannah and and we want to see it. No, and see if you make anything out that big splodge in the end as well. You might ignore it for a few months and just pretend it's not there, but eventually... It might be inspiring. You never know. That's a great tip. And okay, we're, we're wrapping up now. Any, any last words, advice you'd like to leave us with? Just keep on going, basically. I've had a lot of questions, but like, how would you get really good at doing anything? Or how do you get good at painting? And it's just, I guess, keep plodding away. 
is the only advice I can really give and just enjoy enjoy the process that's one thing as well enjoy go learning. watch the live demo and that yes and and learn with me and that's a wrap what about you does art help you slow down and enjoy life as well share your thoughts with me and hannah in the comment section of the post associated with this episode at etcherlab.com forward slash matcha that's e-t-c-h-r-l-a-b.com forward slash m-a-t-c-h-a or if you're watching this on youtube simply let us know in the comment section below if you're enjoying the podcast please help us keep the show alive you can subscribe and give us a five-star rating and review on apple podcasts at etcherlab.com forward slash go forward slash apple Or if you're more of a YouTube viewer, please make sure to subscribe to our channel and ring the bell to get notified about our most recent videos. Sharing is caring and every little bit helps. Thank you so much and I'll see you next time. Until then, let's make more art. Bye!